Hello, and welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 289. So a quick correction from last week. Uh, we had talked about uh, IEC 60950-1. Uh, it's a uh, safety regulation document for UL, basically. Um, and, In regards uh, to creepage and clearances well I, uh, among um, a lot of other things yes. and um I, I had suggested um that if you were interested in in vice uh, ul certified go to this document well i was incorrect in in, in the fact that uh 60950-1 was phased out uh at the end of last year and has been replaced by 62368 one Safety testing standards for information technology equipment and audio video equipment. So, just a quick little correction on there. Um, check out IEC 62368-1. So, is there any major differences between that document and the older document? I'll be honest, I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just I, I, I was I was corrected, so I thought it was it was worth uh, mentioning. The uh, um, so I'm sure there are plenty. It's just if you're if you are searching for UL standards, um, I'm sure you can find the old 609.50 and reference it out there. But uh, that's not what um, newer products are going to be referenced by. Yeah, I'm trying to do a quick Google see what the big difference is. I would not be surprised if there's like a big list of every single difference between them somewhere out there. Or or I'm sure there's a list that you can pay for that tells you all the differences between them. Apparently, one of the things it does is it aims to create a more future-proof document by requiring that manufacturers show known hazards have been considered and their products have been built to be safe for use in their intended environments. Interesting. Basically, it gives designers more flexibility in their design and valuations. You yeah. have to read up on that. That's a DigiKey uh, article, actually. So uh, you just got back from uh, DEF CON, right? Uh, hold on. Uh, KC8APF posted something from Mighty Ohm on Twitter. Oh, unfortunately, it's not a link to the differences, just to Mighty Ohm's uh, Twitter account. <laughs> I got excited there for a second. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, so I might sound a little bit tired. Um, or... <laughs> and when we say just got back, like, it's just yeah like i got off the airplane like an hour and a half ago <laughs> here in houston um actually i'm not that tired i'm just more i'm more just worn out just from five days of, of defcon it's a lot right it, it's a lot um it's a lot of fun um had a blast this was my second in-person defcon so my third defcon because 28 was all virtual defcon 29 which was this year's was like half virtual, half in person. It was interesting because my our first DefCon was DC twenty seven, and it's like it was like bananas. Like you cannot walk around. How many people are there? Um, it was like fifty thousand people, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, I actually kind of liked DC twenty nine a lot more because um, there was just less people. So like when you wanted to go see something or talk to someone, like you could actually do it. Um, it sounds like with the, uh, during the closing ceremonies, basically DC 30, which is next year's is going to be all in person unless something like 
COVID-21 shows up or something like that, you know, because <laughs> who knows at this point? COVID-X. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in case some, if anything, basically, I think their plan is to have a DC-30 all in person. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, but they already announced the dates and stuff for it, um, which means I need to go get my my hotel <laughs> for that already. Um my favorite thing for DEFCON this year, oh man, I went to more talks or and watched more talks, um, so that was a lot of fun. I didn't get to do a lot of the village stuff like I did in DC 27. I think that's one thing I'm going to do a lot, try to do more of in 30, is uh, like the car hacking village. Like I think I'm just going to like post up in car hacking village. So um, I guess, uh, okay, so for those who don't really have an understanding of DEFCON. Give it give a description of it. So DEFCON is a security conference, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, it's mainly aimed at, at software security, um, hackers and that kind of stuff. Um, but there is a small and growing like hardware security uh, group. Um, and what I do is, uh, if you'll listen to, previous podcast the Anna XR group I'm part of that we build badges electronic badges for uh, hacking and um, the lols basically um, mm. for Defcon well not for Defcon but they're unofficial Defcon badges well and it's not just you there's like tons there's hundreds of groups right that do maybe not hundreds but there are a lot of groups that make badges for it yes um so, yeah, time to start planning the batch for DC-30. So, interesting enough, um, our DC-29 badge, we actually had to shift gears back in, like, April because of the chip shortage. Um, basically, the manufacturer for our microcontroller, like, straight up ghosted us in April when we were like, okay, we need to buy, like, a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. Gone. <laughs> um and so we had to switch gears, which is why we went to that this discrete design um, badge, which was a uh, a uh, five 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 timer um, that blinks LEDs. Um, so actually, we've been technically working on the DC thirty badge for basically a year and a half and a half already. So because we're going to roll what we did, and what we were planning on doing for twenty nine, we're going to roll that into thirty and basically just have a huge banner uh year of a badge for you know 30th anniversary of defcon yeah so well i guess you guys uh, i mean that's kind of nice because you guys get a little bit a little bit more breathe room right because you're you have a lot more done towards the 30 badge already that and we are our group we tend to like get stuff done early and make sure stuff is working and like order everything and so like and basically we can make sure we're done like a month ahead of schedule like a month before defcon so we have like a month of like just make like smoothing everything out and then get to take a little break and then get to go to defcon mm-hmm. um so then okay so you were mentioning villages so let's go back to defcon real quick what's a village at defcon so villages is kind of like a subgroup i guess at, at defcon um so there's a lot <laughs> it's of- almost like a, just a room yeah, yeah. Um, it's a room or a section of a room that's like 
just a group of people that have the of similar interests and they have their own talks and their own events and their own challenges and that kind of stuff um i've been just trying to absorb just defcon because it's just it's just crazy um and it's huge it's huge so i'm just trying to lots to in-person defcons i was just trying to like figure out how the con worked <laughs> and i think i kind of have a grasp on it now so i'm hoping dc30 i like post up at a couple uh um villages and just like do that kind of stuff be be a little bit more active as opposed to just like passively suck soaking everything in yes yeah exactly um though this year um i think on i think it was saturday um I didn't really want to, because so Saturday was there was a bunch of smoke from where, where what is on fire right now? Like everything, <laughs> so somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, I believe. Okay. Um. Anyways, all that smoke actually made it down to Vegas. Um. So I really didn't want to go outside. Like you open up your window and you couldn't see like the hotel across the street. Um. And uh. So what I did is I just watched all the talks on the TV. And unfortunately, you can't see old like the village talks because um, those aren't recorded. The, yeah, because there's village talks and then there's like main like yeah they come like talks, track right? yeah they call like track one, track two, track three talks. And mm -hmm. the great thing is though, if if you're at the hotel, actually this year and last year too, they were all on Twitch. Like they have like six Twitch channels, that you, so you can actually just watch them too. But um, I was watching them on on the uh, uh, hotels TV. And I just spent basically a day and a half working on the badge, uh, not our badge, but the DEFCON badge mm. and solving those puzzles. And this was the first year I, I actually finished it. Um, oh, cool. I actually even completed it because the last two, uh, DC 27 and 28, 28 I started and I just couldn't wrap my head around the, because it was like an audio puzzle kind of thing. Oh, yeah, it was like on a, was on that, a cassette, right? It was on a cassette tape. Um, yeah. I didn't really get far with that one. And 27, I was just so... I was doing so much Anna XOR stuff, I just never got around to basically working on um, the badge then. But 29, I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend some time just listening to the talks, and I'm going to do the badge, and I completed the challenge. So that was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, some, of the, some of them were pretty rough. Um... And then uh, only one challenge, because like there's like there's several puzzles. Basically, it was like a series of puzzles that just built on each other. Um, and then one, there's a ginormous cipher that is based off of. Um, it's the same cipher they use in Nicolas Cage's uh, National Treasure with like <laughs> the uh, with, like the numbers. It, it's. Uh, I can't remember. It starts with an O, but it's like a book cipher, basically. Like, it just has like you have a big book, and then it's referencing page blah line line nine mm. character twenty six, um, and so you go and go. Okay, that's E, and then you write E down, and then you go down the list. Um, so I once I figured out it was that cipher, and I like looked at like it had you do that for like. Um, like 80 characters or something oh, like that. Geez. And it was like through all these different, basically it was going through the, the uh, programs, like the PDFs of each DEF CON. And I almost got to the point where I was like, oh, I could probably just write a Python script that 
just scrapes the text out of all these PDFs and then just feed in that. And I'm like, you know, I already, in my mind, I like, I've solved it. I'm just going to like, look the answer up for that. You know, one. the key. Yeah. I knew how to do it. I'm just like, man, that's going to take me like two hour, two hours of like manually doing it, or maybe an hour of coding it. I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm just going to, I'll cheat on that one. So <laughs> that's, that's like a, I don't know, like a 10% cheat. Yeah, I already figured out the solution. I just, you know what? I didn't do the math. You didn't do the legwork. Let's just put it that. Way. I didn't do the legwork. And what's funny is like you didn't do the math, nor did you write the code. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm like, okay, I know how to make this to solve this. So, yeah. Um. Oh, and there was like a Discord for DefCon. Apparently, there was one last year too. I just didn't know about it, mm. which might have helped with the audio. Um, tape cassette challenge, but um, yeah, that was it. Was a lot of fun uh, with that Discord too. Uh, last week we talked a bunch about the badge that you guys had designed to take out there. Uh, so, how did everything go at DefCon? How was it received, and uh, uh, what were the results of it? Um, oh, you mean the NXR badge? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. Um, man, people loved it. It was, it was. Interesting because uh, there were three different groups or thought groups of like figuring it out. Okay, how to some people it? were some people were like you, Stephen, like okay. brute forcing a schematic and like showing us like schematics and like is this how it's supposed to be? And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I have too much vodka. I have no idea. Yeah. Um. Some people were were. Going through the cipher, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the cipher was um, that's definitely the easiest way to do it. Um, and then the other way was um, people were brute forcing the cipher because you can also mm -hmm. attack it that way, basically mathematically analyzing the symbols and figuring out the cipher that way. Um, so it was great. Um, people really liked it. We actually had, so this badge this year was like Matt Damon themed, like heavily. Um, like the packaging was Damonitos. Um, and so we had big cardboard cutouts of Matt Damon. And that was definitely a lot of fun. We actually, like our group got a, um, like a call out at the uh, uh, closing ceremonies for Matt Damon. So, oh, that's cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. Basically, uh, for um, shenanigans and that kind of stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Did you did you see a lot of people with completed soldered badges? Um, not as many as I would hope, but I did see some. So cool. I think most people were they figured it out, but they just didn't solder it up yet, and so they were yeah. just wearing the bare badge. Um, yeah, uh, kind, kind of, uh, kind of exactly what we were talking about. Like, it's sort of like they got the point and maybe didn't do the legwork. Yeah, because um, it is a lot of soldering. It is, yeah. I it would probably take about an hour for someone to solder it all. If you actually solve the cipher and then all the components, it'd probably take about an hour to solder it together. Mm -hmm. And um, the uh, hardware hacking village probably just didn't have the bandwidth of soldering irons to handle that. We probably we probably gave away like 400, 500 badges or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
That's but yeah, really cool. Um, walking around with uh, Matt Damon cutouts and getting people to take pictures and put stickers on Matt Damon was a lot of fun. So how about uh, how about uh, some of the talks? Anything uh, noteworthy? Anything that was uh, really cool? The one that unfortunately I, did, I missed. There was a talk about um, Apple's new chip that's in their like the cryptography that's in their in one of their ICs. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone was try, was working on reverse engineering that. Fortunately, unfortunately, I missed that talk. But the one that I liked the most that I did catch, I'm trying to recall what the company's name was, but it was a company that was moving, basically analyzing like if you're making a, I think it was a DNS company or something like that. Like if you're, what country is the best for like privacy, and like going through like laws and and. Um, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was a very interesting talk. Um, like what what constitutes a telecommunication company in certain countries and what's not. Um, and yeah, and all the talks are on on DefCon's website, so you can go check that out. Um, so I need to go find that that Apple one. Um, I'm curious. It was uh, what was the result of that one talk? What was the most I don't know secure. Country. Oh, they ended up moving to Switzerland. Yeah. All right. Because, like, also the thing that we're talking about is, like, treaties and that kind of stuff because that, that also impacts local laws and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, then there was, oh, man, the talk about the mag... So, so DC-27, it used near-field magnetic coupling to communicate between the badges and so you had to be really close and it's not like near field uh, and like and it's not like nfc but it's like it's a magnetic couple and so someone was trying to reverse engineer how that worked because basically in the what he discovered in the dc27 firmware was there was a exploit he can use basically if he was able to push more data over um the uh push more data over over the communication he, he can actually like remote execute code um through a, a, a wireless attack basically onto the badge and so he proved it out by basically like just manually like hooking up uart to it and dumping into it into the code and so that and it worked so he's like okay now how do i do it from like a wireless uh perspective and and the problem with that that chip the the integrated circuit that runs that there's like no data sheet that exists and um the company wouldn't even like talk to you to like make like how does it work and that kind of stuff and so he reverse engineered that entire like protocol and stuff oh wow um yeah it was that was pretty intense like trying to figure out like because it's not like just regular like oh it's zeros and ones it's like there's like a rotating mask and the symbols are rotating as well the for to obscure the the signal um because he's like when you first look at it it just looks like straight noise and it's like okay how does that actually talk <laughs> mm, that's cool yeah yeah that was a really neat uh badge we had uh, we had joe grand on to talk about the design of everything in there right mm-hmm. that was yeah. fun. but yeah how 
basically like I think I think what Joe Grant said about that was the company that made that IC basically gave them like a chunk of C code and was like this is how like use this right feed it the data and it will work with the chip I think that's how it was I could I could be misremembering that but that was like two years ago so 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 you've already kind of mentioned uh this a little bit but uh defcon 30 what what do you want to see and what do you want to do there yeah i want to do more village stuff for sure um i'm hoping to see more hardware stuff this year the hardware stuff kind of but was tampered a bit um a lot of the villages like either canceled or or uh went virtual this year as well um i'm hoping basically car hacker village is like there in full strength um and I will hang out there and wrench on things. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to do more village stuff. We have a big project. Anna XR has a big project for, for DEFCON 30. That's about all I can say about it. Except, oh, and there's also the name for it that's public called Project Snacky. So, Snacky, right? Snacky. I think you mentioned that last uh, episode. Yeah. Um, that's all I can say about it yet. Okay. I'll, I'll probably start leaking out information about that as we work on it, because um, that's going to be kind of like a side project, <laughs> so I get to talk about it. Okay, you know, actually, uh, because of the badge this year and what we talked about on the last episode, um, a lot of a lot of our listeners reached out and were saying like, "Oh, I wish I would have gotten this badge or whatnot." So when it comes down to Anod Xor and these kinds of badges, or even DefCon. Uh, and and all the things around it. I, I guess let's start with with Anod Xor. What's the best place for our listeners to go and about these kinds of things so that they could participate next year? Follow Anod Xor on Twitter. It's one hundred percent what it is. Everything that we do is like on that Twitter. And that's and exclamation point. Yes. I think it's actually because you can't have explanation points. I think it's A N D N X O R. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware. Okay, great. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I guess Parker throughout the year might, uh, if we all cross our leak uh, some information here on the on the podcast. Yeah, I try to be pretty tight lipped, but the project Snacky is going to be a pretty big project, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, hey, with, with how many people uh, listen? this kind of stuff and already go to defcon i think you should talk to the anon xor crew and ask if you can leak certain information uh use this oh, I, I use do. the podcast as a vector um we kind of did that with last week's episode so i look but you know i think it'd be cool to plan a little bit yeah 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 for sure i just all right well i can't wait to sleep tonight <laughs> Honestly, I did get to sleep more than I had in like the past like ten weeks because of. You probably uh, also drank more than you had in the past ten weeks. Because <laughs> that's that's one other part of DefCon that I mean, you're in Vegas, right? You're in and Vegas, just walking yep. around all the time, like it happens, yep. right? Yeah. Work a cipher into the podcast. Ooh, I like that idea, DJ. Work a cipher into the podcast. That might be way too much planning. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like work. <laughs> okay. okay, you know, uh, so speaking of work, you see that segue there? Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I ran into something interesting today that um, I haven't run into before. And, and it's funny because like I was, I was thinking of things for the uh, topics to talk about tonight. And I'm like, this happened today. Um, I, I ran into something that like screams wrong part or counterfeit part today, but I still am not fully aware of, of the whole situation. So, so, uh, I'm at work where, um, for most things that we run on a, on our pick and place machine, uh, the, the operator, before we do a large run, they'll, they'll bring the first one, two, three boards to me and I'll do a, uh, an, an solder inspection. Uh, and I also check component rotations and things like that. So we, we have basically our pick and place operator um, loads the machine, checks all rotations of things, and then myself or someone else comes over there. We check every feeder. We check every, we check rotations, and then once it comes off the machine, we do another check. Uh, it's it's worth spending the labor time up front than the labor time in the back because it's way worse later way on worse. fixing stuff. Uh, so, so I, I, and I'm, I'm scanning over the board. Everything's looking great. Solder joints are looking awesome. Like I've got no problems with it. And then I, I, I stop on an SOIC eight component, which it's just a, it's a, it's a jelly bean op amp. It's a TL072, just classic op amp been around forever mm -hmm. things, but the package looks super weird. Um, I've never mm. seen an SOIC eight looks like, look like this. Now it fit the, the pads fine. Um, nothing, nothing wrong there, but okay. So it's branded as art. All the laser marking is way offset on this part, uh, almost to the point where like it's hanging off the edge. In fact, I think it may have even been off the, off the edge of the component. There's also a big laser across, uh, it, which I think TI does that some of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so like that's that's fine. That's but like there's the pin a, one side. Yeah, there's a pin pin one side. Yeah. Um, there's also the big circular dimple on uh, on pin one, but it's normal. Like it looks quite a bit larger, and that line goes through the dimple, which you don't normally see. No, usually the laser doesn't go through the dimple. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, and and it looks odd. And then there's there's one other characteristic about this that that have never seen before and maybe it's a new form of manufacturing uh or maybe it's something weird you know how okay so an soic8 if you look at the sides of the package they're chamfered right um and i'm not just talking about like a pin one the sides have a chamfer on them to you know uh, yeah for for the manufacturing of the actual body of the ic and then where the two pieces come together there's usually like a flange or or like some flashing yeah the injection the injection mark injection mark right yeah okay so on the two sides of this component where the legs leave those chamfers exist and there's that there's that mark but on the the i guess the front end and the back end the the the, the sides that are on pins one and five uh it's straight flat like it was cut with a um it, it's like it, like think of if you could extrude yeah, SOIC eights and then just chop them yeah, like they're Snickers bars, right? Yeah. I've never seen that before. And and it was very clearly cut. It has cut marks on it, like a diamond uh diamond blade came across it. And on top of that, if you look at the side of SYC eights, sometimes you can see uh some of the uh, pin frame that yep, yep. 
the legs. With this, it's very clear. That pin frame, you see like a, a very exposed side to it. So a lot of these characteristics of this does not scream Texas Instruments to me. Um, it screams like some something else. B branded something else or counterfeit or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, of course, like... I halt the production line because I'm like, what is this? I've never seen this. And lo and behold, we did buy two new reels of these uh, TLO-72s. So I them and soldered them onto another product that I know uses a, an 072. And it's functioning. I mean, there's, it, it does exactly what I expect it to. Nothing, nothing unique there. So, you know, I've only, I've only tested one. I want to I do a little bit that uh because it, it is like wait whoa like this is very odd it doesn't match the data sheet the data sheet has no call outs about those kinds of things although most of the time the data sheet doesn't call out like the body should look exactly like this uh unless unless you know sometimes you know um laser marking it'll be marked here it'll be marked this way this particular data sheet doesn't have specifics on that um but but the fact that you know, it has it has the the pin one indicating line going the pin one dimple. That's not very common characteristics. The fact that all the lasering is offset, and I checked like multiple of these things, and they're they're consistently off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like I just got a bum one. And then the sliced package just screams like perhaps because of the chip shortage, Texas Instruments had to do something different or do something a little bit quicker or just implement something that maybe they do have a new <laughs> like chip just pushes yeah. chips out you know <laughs> uh but it but you know it's funny because like you just don't know and it bucks the the standard i've never seen this before so it's like well halt production i just want to make 100 percent certain on this yeah i would i would contact ti with the batch number of that reel yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy because it is functioning. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. But I would be like, is this supposed? Is this new? Is this supposed to look like this? Yeah. Is this? Mm, I've seen that. Hit me up. Um, if if this is like a, a, a standard in SYC production, I'd like to know that. I've just never seen it before. And you need to post some pictures. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I got home from work today. I was like, why did I? Of that for the podcast i'll uh, i'll ask one of the guys at work to take a picture tomorrow and uh, send it to me awesome yeah i'm interested i want to see what ti says i bet you it's that so where'd you buy them from yeah i i have i didn't purchase them myself so I, I don't know yet i just it was at the end of the day it was the last thing i was doing and it was like oh shit we gotta we gotta, we gotta figure this out real fast so Probably, like probably I said, like the, I, I did, I did the brute force off another one from a known working board. Solder this on. Okay, I can at least sleep tonight because I know that that one is working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully not eBay. <laughs> oh no, we don't, we don't do that level. Of oh man, I had to do that for. Uh, actually, it's funny. It's for Pinatar when I was getting this current, that whole like two hundred fifty unit run. Um, I tried to buy parts on Amazon for current sensors, and they ended up canceling it. Oh, shame. Yeah, that sucks. I think this basically like they thought they had some in stock, and they just didn't. So, though we're going to completely different current sensors just for um and brand, just to get away from 
Allegro, basically. Allegro oh, okay. just can't seem to keep stuff in stock right now. So you're doing a revision on the board? Yeah, we're roll just rolling to it for C. And also, like that's those are also the only um, non-leaded packages on the entire board, mm. and so you have to like X-ray them. Um, we're gonna move to current sensors that are leaded, and so we can just get away with just doing AOI and be fine with it. So yeah, that's a good move. Yeah. Here. Yeah, basically. Maybe maybe not necessarily cheaper on your end, but for the uh, menu whoever's doing PCBA, I'm assuming it's Macrofab, uh, they, they, their life is a little easier. No, it's cheaper for me, too. Oh, is it? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Does, uh, does Macrofab inform you if, uh, if you need to do x-ray? Is there, like, an x-ray service, or is that just kind of included if needed be? Um, a little both, I guess. Yeah. I, 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 it's uh, per case basis. Yeah, per case basis, yeah. Like, can you I request think... X-ray from Macfam? Yes, you can. Cool. Yeah, um, I think for this we probably X-rayed. I think we X-rayed like basically only like ten percent of them, because um, it's not that crazy of a package. It's not like a BGA, right? Um, so basically, we we decided ten percent was probably fine. The X-ray, we didn't have to X-ray all of them. That X-ray must be long. Uh, runs about. 60% of the day. Oh, okay. It's not an it's not an automated inspect uh uh x-ray. It's a manual. So it's mainly for spot checking. Got it. So would love to get an inline x-ray. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Just just <laughs> buy an old TSA x-ray. <laughs> I mean, oh man, when we were first starting MacFab, we were thinking about getting those like really sketchy dental X-ray machines that had like a lead box. Now those are those are sketchy off of eBay. I've seen yeah. those, but you can still buy them. Uh, so I had a uh, my first company. We we did buy one of those, and they work, but they're sketchy. Yeah, because it's I mean, like it's like yeah. this like it's basically like you know when you go to the dentist and the he uh, in the in the in the uh, it's a dentist. Yeah, dentist. Uh, moves the x-ray machine towards your face and it's got like that like tube that just shoots out all the beams it's like it's just one of those except that it's just like free floating like just has a plug-in and oh it's just the fact that it has no interlock system that's what's sketchy <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what we had um well first of all Okay, so like it was, it was in. We didn't have it in the engineering lab. It was on the production floor because they used it there. But it was used by like trained individuals, and it was in the corner away from people, so it wasn't right next to this X-ray machine uh, that was blasting them or anything like that. But but it was very similar to what Parker's saying. Like it's just a box with a tube on it. On like the other end of the table was a, a lead plate, basically pedestal somewhere in between you could oh that's even around. more sketchy than what yeah I'm and about. the thing was like you could put it on continuous operation like it wouldn't like like it wouldn't do like pulsed operation you just flip it on and turn the juice up oh <laughs> yeah uh one of the guys one of the production guys whenever um no, i'm sorry mechan not, uh not mechanical engineer the um manufacturing engineers uh they, they had purchased it and they they got it all set up 
was when it was brand new and fresh and he's like hey it's working and he and he ran upstairs and he put a picture on on my desk and it was his freaking hand like and, oh no <laughs> yeah no straight up and you could see all the bones and everything i'm like dude no no, no don't no, do- no. <laughs> yeah well <sighs> i mean so it was working i guess <laughs> oh that's scary yeah you know what was really interesting about that? Okay, so we had an entire safety team at that um, building. There was the building he's in it, and there was uh, almost five hundred people in that company. So there was there was an entire safety team, and you had to pass everything from these guys. If you purchased latex gloves, you had to give these guys a receipt, uh, and they had to uh, you had to have the MSDS. Like these guys were were down to everything. I never once heard them peep about the fact that there was an x-ray machine that was like an open frame x-ray machine in there. I, like, it I just wonder if they just didn't never know understood about it. it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they did that, not. That I don't is... know. Like, I... For those that, I... that are listening to the podcast, I am shaking my head really hard. <laughs> well, no, that, that's just the thing. Like, that, we were really safe in that building. I, I mean, it was legitimately, like, everything was really well done, uh, except for that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they didn't know. I'm sure they do now. <laughs> I hope so. The fact that the yeah. person tested it by just sticking his hand in the beam. Hopefully yeah. he's okay. Oh, he's fine. He, I mean, it, I know he, he did it quickly. He grew three thumbs. Let's just put it this way. Don't do that, boys and girls. <laughs> That's not Never. good. <laughs> Never. Now, ours yeah. is a big professional machine, so... Oh, yours closes, right? Yes. It's Yes. Yeah. The machine is like the size. Uh, it's like five feet by five feet by five feet. Yeah, it's big. It's a big machine. Yeah. So, what's Crazy. interesting about what's interesting about that machine though? It has a little window that's like you know, like an oven. It's got like a window you can see like your 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 turkey cooking in there or whatever. It's got one of those. It's a lot smaller, and you know, lead lined and all that stuff, so extras can't bounce out. But it's like, why is that even important? Like nothing happens when you put the board in there. Like, why yeah, do you I need know. to view it? I, I I just that never made sense to me. Yeah, I guess once you close the door, like the magic yeah. happens, right? Yeah, but it's like you don't need to observe your board getting X-rayed. <laughs> Not gonna see anything, right? No. Well, hopefully you don't see anything. Yeah, that'd be kind of bad. <laughs> so. So I got a quick. Uh, a quick little tasty chip that I've uh, been playing around with this week, and I thought it'd be cool to showcase. So I went to Google and I typed in tasty chips, and there is a company called Tasty Chips. Uh, and I didn't even know this. They make Eurorack synthesizer stuff, uh, which is interesting. Uh, they're from the Netherlands. I don't know, but hey, they're. Ooh, they got they some are. nice looking equipment. Yeah, they totally do. Yeah, their stuff is, is really clean. So go t- check out Tasty Chips. Who knows? Maybe we inspired them. Or maybe it's just coincidence. I think it's just probably coincidence. You know what's They they are not using our naming scheme. So no, we did not inspire them. <laughs> so the, the, the naming scheme for Tasty Chips was your, our first chip would just be M. The second chip would be MM, et cetera, et cetera. And you would pronounce it as Mm. Mm. But you go so for like the twelfth chip, it'd be mmm. <laughs> Whereas I the first one just be mmm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how many. You know, we we 
back of our chi tasty chips. We're probably on like mmm by now. By now, yeah, something like that. So uh, actually, uh, well, I want to I want to call out this one chip, but I want to call out the, kind of the the the, uh, the whole business that makes a handful of families. It's a sound semiconductor, and uh, the chip I want to call out is the SSI 2140, which is a voltage-controlled multi-mode filter. And yeah, its point is in audio and very specifically synthesizers. Plenty of uses you could use this outside of that. Um, so it's a uh, it's based on the original core of the SSM 2040, which is which is. Uh, solid state micro technology for music. Uh, basically, it's a older like, um, audio specific or synthesizer specific ICs. SSI is kind of the evolution of that, and they've basically taken those old designs and add a whole bunch of bells and whistles and brought them into modern manufacturing. Uh, and and so this multi-mode filter has four transconductance blocks inside of it, each of which has its own buffer. And then it also has a VCA that allows you to reconfigure things and uh, give you a whole bunch of different features. So what you can, by, by how you configure these four transconduction blocks, you can get two-pole or four-pole, high-pass or low-pass. You can get all-pass filters. You can get state variable filters. Uh, you can get a whole variety based on how you basically tie passives to this and reconfigure it and all of it is voltage controlled so if you want to swing the the cutoff frequency of any of these filters you just send it a voltage boundaries and depending on how you set up your r's and your c's you can swing your uh your window around on it now it also has some other features first of all it can be voltage uh sorry uh it can be volt per octave so calibrate it you can get it such that a one volt change on the uh, the control input gives you a, an octave uh, difference in the uh, in the cutoff frequency uh, there is the ability also to tie together make it um, temperature compensated and that's pretty legit uh, so it won't drift around with temperature uh, but they also make it pretty easy where if you disconnect some pins, it just uh, it'll drift around and some people might want that. It has a, a really cool like that VCA that added extra fifth block that's in here allows you to do what's called Q compensation. So um, you can you can arrange this filter such that it has external or not external like feedback back to the input. Um, and that allows you to emphasize frequencies at the cutoff, uh, so you can do resonant filters. And one of the problems with traditional resonant filters is as you increase the feedback, you start passband on there, so you, you end up turning a low-pass filter into a like a peak um, bandpass filter. Well, if you do Q compensation with a voltage-controlled amplifier at the, at the very end, you can keep your passband flat and uh, frequencies at your cutoff frequency um, so there's there's a lot of cool little things um, in there so if you get a second check out the SSI 2140 over at soundsemiconductor.com also check out the rest of their chips because they've got a bunch of I mean cool stuff that's like these really hyper specific uh, chips that work in there yeah I'm, I'm been going over the uh, data sheet for this um, what are fat keys Oh, I, I mean, that's some kind of... Tr 
Okay, yeah, that's what it says. Um, I didn't know if that meant anything. No. It's um, some kind of, yeah, whatever word they like to use for something. I don't know what it's for yeah. exactly. You, I was uh, trying you know, to see I, if it mentioned what that meant, and it's just a marketing term it looks like. One of the things is, okay, so this is this is fully analog, but it's really easy to slap a DAC on this and control your cutoff uh, frequency uh, digitally. This would make a, a, an excellent um, tracking filter. Uh, you so you could you could reasons outside of uh, uh, sound synthesis uh, for using filters of this sort. Like I I know in my first job when I was doing vibration sensing that we had a lot of need for tracking filters and easily set this up for this or even configurable filters. I would I I would almost consider using this for it. I I think the only reason I might shy away from this is mainly uh, um, it might not be rated for industrial range um, it's a, a overall temperature ranges but you know if that's not a problem for you um, there's a lot of power within this also in with this one chip because all the all the transconductance blocks are broken apart you could set this up as a two-pole high and filter and then have variable band passing so you could kind of like pocket your uh, your frequency data wherever you want to. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with these. So mm -hmm. check them out. All right. So to wrap up the podcast this week, um, the topic will be interesting reverse engineering tactics with customer supplied stuff, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Um, this comes up in the, the this big customer project I've been working on at work. Um, and they supplied us a, a board to do the communication. It's FSK high voltage for doing downhole testing um, for oil and gas. Um, and so I started looking, basically the, the comm board they gave us is a little flaky. It tends to like test, we'll be able to test like a thousand units and it decides to like explode. Um, <laughs> and so I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out why is it going to, why is it exploding? Why are, it's a lot of analog circuitry. Why are some of the op amps getting hot? And I was like, oh, Steven, we'll like look at it one night, um, figure out why these op amps get hot. But I started digging more into the, the good thing is the customer gave us the source code for the microcontroller on it. So I actually just started looking through it. I'm like, okay, comparing it with the PDF schematic that we have, unfortunately, that's like the only way we have it. Um, and the code, and I'm like, okay, what's this op amp doing, right, with the control signal? Well, like half the control signals that come off the microcontroller are just set to like one or zero at startup, and they don't do anything else. And so I'm like, okay, if that's the case, what does this circuit do? Absolutely nothing. Why is it making so much heat? I have no idea. So I just started desoldering them off the board. And basically going through and like, and yeah, basically like, hardwiring stuff high or low and just removing op amps off the board. I basically removed like about 60% of the components on the board and it still functions correctly. I, I were they, so I haven't seen this yet. Yeah. Um, uh, were, were the, uh, do you know anything about like were guys trying to future proof this or add functionality so could be added? It was, um, from what I know that, um, they have a tester that's like, it's called the surface box or something like that. Um, and that is what they use to test the switches uh, in the field. 
but it can't do everything. It can't. It's actually designed to not be able to do the firing part because you don't want to accidentally explode something on the surface. That would be bad. Um, and so they took that design and then modified it and then started adding the firmware so it can do all the functions we need to test the unit with. Um, it just never got finished, really. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Hardcore Munsing. Uh, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically, just I just like started going through it and just like, well, that doesn't actually do it. Like, it has where it can like disable like the communication and like but it's set to one and there's no command to make it go to zero so you can disable communication so i'm like well i'll just rip those parts off the board because it doesn't matter <laughs> and so basically i was like i actually able, was able to reduce the power draw of the board by like half <laughs> just getting rid of op amps i bet that you i bet you most of those op amps were pinged high or low like they were probably yeah. at their rails and just doing nothing doing nothing and just heating up and what will happen is one would pop and actually just like like hit and 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 destroy basically the signal or take everything take else the board with it. out basically yeah take the board out and you know a couple months ago i had no idea how to fix the board or how the board worked now i have a little bit more understanding of how it works but yeah it's just kind of uh, at least at least i think they're more stable now We'll have to see. <laughs> well, that's goofy. Yeah. So if anyone in chat or on Twitter or on Twitch has any experiences like that, I'd like to hear it. Where basically like, you know, reverse engineering customer products to make stuff better. It sounds like in your case, just to make it work. Yeah, just no, it did work. It just didn't work for long. Because as you said, I, I I would be really like it, what you find that is like the actual cause of them uh, causing damage. Because like perhaps they were overdriven or or something of that sort. Yeah. So I'd like to still talk to you. Um, unfortunately, I won't be. We won't be able to stream that because it's customer data. Right. Um, Go over that schematic and be like, okay, why, um, why that chip is like heating up and lasts for like a couple of days before it explodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so it just sounds like something's overcurrent for yeah, just just long enough to just cook it. Yeah, and it just cooks it for long enough. It finally explodes and it takes the board out with it by that basically sucks. dumping voltage on a rail that's not supposed to have that high voltage. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll sign off the podcast. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good one. So uh, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. <laughs>